Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode 164. Today's show is brought to you by PDF Pen from Smile, Timing, and Encapsula. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. We're back in our respective offices in our respective homes again this week. Been a week of travel for us again. Classic Upgrade has returned. Classic Upgrade. But nobody cares about that. I think they do, but nobody does. Uh, Rick wants to know in our hashtag Snell Talk segment, Jason, where and what type of pizza did you eat in Chicago? Uh, well, I guess this is a place for us to promote the fact that you and I, mm-hmm. along with Stephen Hackett and Federico Vettici, had the great honor of going to the Cards Against Humanity uh, office where they have the podcast studio that is spectacular, high-quality podcast studio. Just, I want that office, that studio. I want all of that. And and, uh, we were there. I was very excited, of course, because that's where they record Hello from the Magic Tavern, which is one of my favorite podcasts. And I did a dramatic reading of the entire name of Usador the Wizard because I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we recorded uh, an episode of Dubai Friday. We should sure involving uh, with Alex Cox and Max Temkin, and via a very broken Skype connection, Merlin Mann. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, Merlin was eating a microwave Chicago pizza while we ate like seven different kinds of Chicago pizza, uh, including like a thin buttery party pizza that was Max's childhood pizza. And we ate a. Uh, what else did we have? We had a. We had a deep dish. We had a focaccia. Yep. yep. We had uh, another kind of pizza that I don't even remember what it was. There was a reheated, which was unfortunate but very tasty, kind of more traditional Italian pizza. And then things took a turn when we got to the gluten free deep dish, which everybody mm. ate and said wasn't very good. We and didn't then know. We all kind of like. We didn't know. We thought it was just a bad deep dish pizza, uh-huh. and then it turned out that was the gluten-free. And as Stephen Hackett, who who can't eat gluten, pointed out, um, the secret ingredient in gluten-free, the gluten-free alternative, is sadness. They put in sadness instead of gluten, and we yeah. all experienced the sadness mm-hmm. of gluten, the gluten-free pizza, which... Um, that, and that was when we, I think, all were like, oh, I can't eat any more pizza. There is also a great possibility that we'd eaten too much pizza at that point I, anyway. I think... I think it's just funny that that's the one that it turned yeah, on. I think the good, good flavor of all the others made us like gave us momentum to keep eating, even though we should have stopped. Yeah. And then um, my big mistake was that I really liked that focaccia pizza, and I ate the whole piece, and I knew that was a mistake, and I should have just taken one bite. Do you got to do what I wine tasters do, right? Mm-hmm. Which is you 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 take a sip and spit then it you out. spit it out. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we should have done. <laughs> just spit pizza all over their wonderful desk. So uh-huh. uh, I really, really encourage people, one, to listen to Dubai Friday in general, but also to check this episode out. There will be a link in the show notes. I will say it is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the most fun experiences I have ever had behind a microphone. Um, we had such a great time. It was an honor to be on that show because I really respect the three of them and the work that they've made. I think Dubai Friday Absolutely. is incredible. Um, it is an upgradey award winner for newcomer of last year. The I up- suppose that's true. Yes. The upgradies are on the way, Jason. I'm very excited about that. Um, I know. Months away, but I start to get excited now because we're in the quarter. They're always on the way. As soon as they're over, yep. they're coming back around they're, again. Those, mm-hmm. those upgradies, they, they will get you. Um, and I wanted to just give a very quick mention uh, to Alex Cox's incredible editing skills. There were like a bunch of really interesting technical problems that she was able to edit yes. around. And what she did 
with that show is incredible. So if you like it and you enjoy it, you can tweet to at Alex Cox and tell her because she did a great job. So if you enjoyed that episode, it's because of Alex's hard work. As a podcast editor, I love it when uh, an editor in editing sort of shapes and saves yep. the material. Yep. And, she did and ideally, you don't have to do that. Ideally, it's not a disaster mm-hmm. and it's a very easy edit. But I've had those, um, the incomparable holiday music special comes to mind where there's just a disaster of things technical and content wise. Yep. And what Alex did was she shaped a show out of parts of our conversation, yep. edited around some massive technical problems, and then also generated their after show for their Patreon. Uh, supporters so um kind of amazing if if on the incomparable we have the members do listen get to listen to like the bootleg which is the untouched just original recording if you if they had such a thing for do by friday and you compared it to the final product you would be blown away with the work that alex did so yeah and it was so fun to be there with them and talk to them and like max temkin who i follow on twitter and i've exchanged all sorts of you know things with and i met briefly with at xoxo and like i've all all these things and then it was very funny because i i started to speak and he's like whoa jason snell is jason Still's voice is here because he listens to the stuff that that we do, and that was that was very that was fun because it was like, wait a second, Max Timken knows the stuff that I do, it's, but I know the stuff that you do, and it was one of those. I think I actually said the phrase "love your show," which is the you know that's the podcast equivalent of uh, well, I mean, I, it is the showbiz phrase, right? It's like you put on the glasses and then you just say "love your show." Don't you don't even need to know if they have a show; you just say "love your show." That's a thing. But I actually said that I couldn't help it because. Um, yeah, so it was good. Great hospitality in Chicago um, and at uh, at Cards Against Humanity. Very nice. Episode 47. Uh, the title is Fancy Prince. Um, go check it out. It's in, <laughs> it's in our show notes. Yep. If you want to send in uh, Snell Talk questions, hashtag Snell Talk for a question to start off the show. Uh, thanks to Rick for the question that, that he asked, which allowed me to very easily transition into some yep. se- uh, semi-follow-out, which was a But that was all experience. the pizza we ate. Was yeah, during that pizza. podcast. Yeah. Literally, we did a podcast where we ate pizza, and mm-hmm. that was it. Quite frankly, I went to the airport that evening, and usually at Midway Airport, and it's funny because I talked to Dr. Drang about this, because Dr. Drang flies out of um, of uh, Midway Airport all the time and on Southwest Airlines, just like I do when I go to Chicago. I, I fly into Midway on Southwest from Oakland, and uh, he and I both shared how we uh, we get like a hot dog at the food court at Midway. You can get a Chicago dog. You can, there's all sorts of different kinds. There's a hot dog place there. And, uh, and uh, it's for him, it's like a ritual. And for me, it's kind of like a ritual now, too. I go to Midway Airport, and before I get my flight, I get a hot dog. I eat a little hot dog in Chicago, and then that's the end. Well, guess what, Mike? No, <laughs> I, don't no, no. You, I don't know if you had dinner on Wednesday night, but I did not. I went straight to the gate and sat down, and I got on the plane, and I flew home, and I went to bed, and I did not eat a single thing the rest of the day after that pizza, because no. that was a lot of pizza. I was choosing, like, my choice was I would eat nothing, and, and Federico gave a talk that day at release notes, so we went out and had some drinks mm-hmm. afterwards, and then after having some drinks, I had a cheeseburger. Uh that, yeah, I maybe shouldn't have done that. Bold move. Yeah. Bold move. Strong. Yeah. Very strong. Um, yeah. We had a great time in Chicago. Uh, we spent a bunch of time together. Release notes, the conference that we were at was really good. Um, I enjoyed it uh-huh. there. They, they put on a real good show. Um, but we got to spend a lot of time together, which was nice. But there were some technology observations uh, that I had made from us from being there. Yes. Um, one was seeing you purely on iPad for the entire time, which was fun. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I've talked about this before, but it was still one of those moments that uh, that everybody's like, "Oh, you don't have like you and Steven both were like, oh, you don't have you don't have a laptop here." It's like I don't travel with a laptop unless I absolutely have to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the the number of cases where I absolutely have to keeps decreasing. Um, that because if I can get it done on the iPad, then why would I? Why would I bring? I'm gonna bring my iPad regardless. I love my iPad, right? I'm not gonna leave it behind. I, I, I prefer to use it. I can't even envision traveling without the iPad. And so at that point, it's a question of like, do I also need to bring a laptop? And if I can avoid it, I do. And so yeah, that was a good that was a good example of people getting to witness it in person that I was doing everything I needed to do on the laptop. So because we were recording so many live shows, like four live shows um, in Chicago. I decided I would bring my MacBook Pro uh, for emergencies, right? Like just in case something happened. Nothing happened, and I've decided I'm going to stop doing that. If we're yeah. going to a place where, you know, because like Stephen mostly will handle all the techno- technological stuff in regards to the recording of the show, so he always has his MacBook with him. He's a whole case yep. with microphones and things in it. Yep. It's like a whole, a whole big, whole big thing that he's very good at. So I'm just going to stop bringing my MacBook as a backup or an emergency because I figure if there is the requirement for an emergency, we can find a Mac somehow, right? Yeah, especially at a tech conference. Yes. Macs are available. <laughs> yeah. Or like every big city has an Apple store, yeah. right? We could just yeah. go buy a MacBook. And right. Or you could get one of those places that rents, that'll rent you a laptop. I mean, there's so yeah. many different ways to do it that if you, if you needed to do it. Yeah. So I'm going to stop carrying my MacBook Pro around mm-hmm. with me when I don't need it. And the only time then you'll bring a Mac with you when you travel is if you have like you want to you know you want to or know you need to edit a podcast or record a podcast yeah. or something like that. But not as not as the emergency fall. Unless I am solely responsible. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That I, makes I, sense. I, I don't want to. Do, I just don't want to do that anymore because I'm carrying it around for for a week. It seems kind of it seems kind of pointless to me. Uh, the other. Uh, I mean, you also, I got a lot of people, as I always do when I travel with that thing and I go to tech circles, people were asking about that bridge keyboard that I have, which we talked about. And it's the, I'm lucky because I've got one that works. You tried it. And the you only got one, one that, that works, Jason. You have the only working bridge keyboard. Yeah. Bridge 12.9. It's possible. My, Stephen Hackett has bought a 10.5 bridge keyboard. So we'll see if they've, if they've uh, worked out the bugs oh, there. He got an email, right? So he Oh, I saw the email. A bridge have just released a version for the 10.5, and they took his payment and shipped it. Then he got an email, like which was like kind of an email to a mailing list, being like, mm, "There's a problem with the hinges. This company cannot make reliable products." They yeah, can't. it's it's really a shame because I love that keyboard, and I would I would I said this because we're talking about it now, but like I would shout it to the world, like buy this keyboard. I want because people see it and they're like, "Oh, what's that? Oh, that's yeah. how, how does it? Oh, that's you you've got a lap because everybody's like, what laptop are you using that has a touch screen? I'm like, it's an iPad, <laughs> but it looks like a laptop, and but I can't like. I had to go through three of them before I got one that worked. You went through two, and both of them had the same failure. And now Stephen has had this thing where it's like, well, some of some of these might have a an issue, so you should watch that. It's like, oh boy, uh, it's too bad. It's a shame. I I kind of, and I believe that there was something else with this company where they kind of like got had new management or they got bought out or something like that. And it's too bad because this idea for a product is really great, and I wish that it was um, being stewarded by a company that was more capable of building reliable products because yep. I'd like it to recommend them. It's a product them. I want. I really want it, but it yeah. seems like I can't buy it. The other amazing thing that happened last week that we should mention is that Federico saw a Kindle for the first time, I want to say. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was the first time he'd ever seen one. 
Yeah, my my Kindle Oasis, and we were talking about the new Oasis, but I had my old, you know, first generation Oasis with me, so I just pulled it out, and Federico's like, oh, uh, and and then he starts like t- touching on it, and like, how do I select things, and does it do multi touch? It's like, no, Federico doesn't do that. Where's the where's the menu? How do I go back? I'm like, you got to top it. I mean, because it's got a weird gestural interface. So why can I see the previous page? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then he, it took him a long time to realize that oh, I could use these hardware buttons to to go next and previous because he was swiping, which is very iPad gesture, right? Makes sense. But and and, and he was also the e ink screen. He's like, why is it, what, you know, why is it flickering? And it's got like a little like hint of the previous page. And I'm like, yeah, it's e ink. That's how that works. And it was funny for him. It was like first time to see it, so that was kind of fascinating. That was like. A, uh, a moment of somebody who's just literally never paid attention to this particular area of technology suddenly getting his hands on it and wondering what, what the heck it was. We were talking about it a bunch. I, I don't know if he's going to buy one, but I think he might. Yeah, I think he was kind of intrigued by it. Well, mm-hmm. you know what actually intrigued him the most is the fact that I have my Instapaper archive sent there. Every time that I I have like a, a I add an article to Instapaper, it basically at 6 a.m. sends me... Um, my my Instapaper bundle of like twenty art the t- last twenty articles I added to Instapaper and so that's especially when I'm traveling or there's a long form article that I I'm just there's no way I'm going to read it I put it in Instapaper and it shows up on my Kindle and so when I'm sitting on an airplane somewhere generally is when it happens and I'm thinking I, I want something to read and I don't want to read one of the novels that's on my Kindle I've got the Instapaper things there and Federico was very intrigued by that idea of like oh so you can just get your whole Instapaper archive and have it have it go to your Kindle automatically it's like yeah that's a good alternate use for the kindle but steven's got one too i mean he and i are both kind of believers in when you're just reading text uh the kindle is a that's what it's good for right it's like not distracting the way steven put it was um my kindle's not going to tell me that there's a tweet on twitter i should look at right yeah (laughs) that's yeah there's something to be said for that so i'm sure we'll have more comprehensive kindle coverage when the well in fact i think it's next week the new kindle oasis ships so we may have to call in our uh Kindle experts Kindle expert, at that point. People mm-hmm. from the field. Um, I wanted to mention we have uh, some Relay FM merchandise available, um, which has been a much requested item. So we sold stickers to go on your AirPods case to make it look like dental floss, uh, Relay FM branded stickers. Um, we're doing something kind of different, uh, but kind of the same. We are doing a bundle, uh, which we're calling the Cool Fresh Gear Bundle which includes a t-shirt with the artwork of the, the, the sticker on it and two uh, new red cinnamon flavor uh, <laughs> stickers. So you can get those. They're available now. We're going to be doing this different to how we've done stuff before because we believe that there might, if if, uh, if it's like the last time we sold these stickers, that the demand might be quite high. We sold out in like an hour previously. So we're going to be doing pre-orders. Um, you can pre-order until November the 6th. Of course, all the links will be in the show notes, but you can go to, uh, if you want to go check it out, if you want to just go there right now, you can go to relay.fm slash store and you'll find it there. But we're doing pre-orders until Monday, November the 6th, and these will be shipping in mid-December because um, this is a tricky logistical thing. We have stickers and t-shirts coming in from all different places, um, and they'll be shipping out from the U.S. Uh, I apologize in advance to people if you're outside the U.S. for the shipping prices. We are unfortunately fixed into... Um, standardized shipping prices there's nothing we can do about that i'm afraid with our fulfillment center but yeah you can go check it out now uh these are really i think we're really happy about this 
I know a lot of people really, really loved and wanted us to bring back these stickers. So we've found a way to do it that, that makes sense for, for everybody. So it's going to be a t-shirt and sticker combo, uh, which I think is really cool and it's fun and it's kind of different and you can go and uh, check it out. And as I said, you can pre-order up until November the 6th. Oh, I, I just tried to order one. The funny thing is that when I got to the order summary screen, it said, so you're ordering seven of these. And I thought, um, oh my God. what did you do? I don't, I don't think I did anything, but it thinks I want, I want seven of them, which is great. Uh, I don't, I don't, I only want maybe five shirts and 10 stickers. Yeah, but. you should, you should, could you hold the stickers? Oh man, there were, so, I still have some of the, I still have some of the green, the, those are collector's items now. They really those are. Those are worth, the, that's like bitcoins. Yeah. So yeah, this is, we did it this way so we won't run out. That that was the plan. We ran out last that's, time, lots that's of people great. wanted them, so we're doing it as a pre-order so we don't run out of them, because we have that's, no idea how many good. people. There you go, I can see Jason Snell's order right there. You only ordered one, mm-hmm. so good work on, on adjusting. Yeah, I didn't do, didn't do seven after all. Um, I also wanted to mention, before we finish follow-up today, uh, our good friends over at App Camp for Girls currently have an Indiegogo fundraising going on. Uh, they want to raise $75,000 to expand their efforts to three new cities by 2020. There are a bunch of great rewards for this campaign, as with all good uh, crowdfunding campaigns. But I think you should give some money to AppCamp because it's a cause worth supporting because you'll be helping to inspire and encourage young girls, transgender and non-gender conforming kids to become developers. And having just been to a technology conference, this is really important. We need to have more non-men. Uh, in this industry and uh, anything that we can do and you can do to help app come for girls is a good thing to ensure diversity in the future of the stuff that we do so you can go check them out they're doing really great they've raised twenty three thousand dollars so far they're, they're 31 percent of their goal um i would love it if the upgradians could go there and uh and give some money um to 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 the great folk over at app come for girls so they really they really are great so i would we would all appreciate that Okay, should we take a break, Jason? Sounds like a good idea. I want to thank Timing for supporting this week's show. Timing is the smarter way to track time. Time is your most precious resource. You need to know how you're spending it. But, frankly, manual time tracking can interrupt your workflow. It's easy to lose track of and sometimes can just be kind of annoying. And that's why timing is different, because timing automates your time tracking to save you as much time as possible. First, it automatically tracks how you spend time on your Mac, broken down by app, website, and document. But that's a lot of data to work through, right? So timing lets you use drag and drop to create rules that automatically categorize your time so it just gets done for you. You don't even need to think about it. Timing also understands that not all of your work will happen when you're sitting down at your Mac. That's why it automatically suggests to fill gaps in your timeline so you never forget to track a meeting. It can even automatically ask you what you did whenever you return to your Mac, so you can just enter it right in there. Um, I spent a bunch of time with the developer, Daniel, of Timing, while we were in release notes. Really, really yep. nice guy. He, We were talking about things that he wants to add to the app in the future. Like He has a really great plan for this app. Um, it's really, really cool, and I, I think you should go and check it out. There are loads of uh, great graphs and charts in the application when you've been tr- using it for time tracking that break down not just the apps that you're using, but also, like, the categorization stuff is really cool. I, I was really, really impressed with that. So you can track everything in the phrasing that you understand because you can even customize all of these categories as well. So it, it's like in your vernacular. You can download the 14-day free trial today by heading to timingapp.com upgrade, and you'll save 10% when you purchase. Timing. Stop worrying about time and focus on doing your best work instead. We'd like to thank Timing for their support of this show. All right, Mr. Snell. 
Yes, sir. Should we talk about Android TV a little bit? This is still a little bit more follow-up. Got a lot of follow-up today. Um, yeah. Marge wrote in to remind us, and I'd completely forgotten about this, and not only do we never think about Chromecast, uh, we also didn't remember that Android TV exists <laughs> as a whole product. That's right. It is an operating yes. system with Chromecast support and a bunch of apps that is built into yeah. TVs and other TV-connected devices. Right, so this is Google's equivalent of Apple TV yeah. and Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Chromecast, obviously, way more prominent in terms of mindshare kind of everywhere, but there is Android TV. It does have apps. It's built into a few boxes and a, a bunch of TVs, although it seems like Roku is beating them on the TV side. Uh, it seems like, at least I, I see Roku TVs, I hear about Roku TVs a lot and less about Android TV embedded, but they, they are playing in in the embedded TV game and, dry, and powering uh, the, the idea there that we, they put their operating system in it and then the apps just come from their platform instead of the TV manufacturer building their own like custom thing that's got a few apps in it. They just put in Android TV or they put in Roku and they, they walk away and say, we're good. So so it does exist. Um, that that's that's uh, that's what we were talking about. So that's Google's that's Google's real direct sort of app based uh, TV strategy. Um but I think the fact that we didn't think of it, I mean, part of that is that we're we're more in the Apple space. But even though, I, I mean, I've got a Fire TV and I used to have a, I mean, I have a Roku that's old and I don't use it anymore. I don't have the latest Roku, but um, it is interesting that um, we didn't think of it. I think it doesn't get brought up a lot. But And I understand how frustrating that can be because I remember in the old days as a Mac user, people would list off things and they'd be like, why didn't you mention the Mac? And it can be very frustrating when there's a thing that you use and you understand and that people pretend it doesn't exist. This happens when we talk about streaming services a lot or live TV Mm -hmm. streaming services where people say, but why didn't you mention this? Because it turns out we mentioned three as examples and there are five. And the people who are users of the other two get angry and I get it. So, um, So Android TV is a thing that exists. Yeah, and I mean, I I would argue that even Google doesn't put the focus on this product. Like, they focus on Chromecast. You know, like, I just watched the Made by Google keynote, right? And they're, like, a couple of weeks ago. I didn't hear Android TV brought up at all. I don't even remember it being brought up at Google I.O., but well, it may have been. Chromecast is funny because it's a product, basically, and a feature. Yeah. And, in fact, one of the main features of Android TV is Chromecast. Chromecast yeah. <laughs> um, I did hear from somebody, and I thought this, they made a good point um, that, and, and I know you got that email too, um, it, it, a little bit kind of tangential to the point we were trying to make, but worth at least mentioning, one of the values of Chromecast is that you can have Chromecast devices all over your house and uh, and use your phone to, to uh, control them. And it's essentially one device uh, logged into the services that you're streaming. Uh, because it's your phone, and if you're on a device, if you're on a service that limits the number of devices that yep. you can have, one of the advantages, whether whether that's for legitimate sort of like I have lots of devices issues, or it's semi-legitimate I'm sharing passwords with other people in my family kind of issues, um, you could hit a limit uh, a lot more readily on three devices in your house or five devices in your house plus whatever else is going on than with necessarily with a Chromecast, which you're just kind of like. Your phone is the master device, no matter which Chromecast you're you're casting to. So it's worth mentioning too. There's there's some nuances there. Yeah, there definitely is. Uh, yeah, we should. I guess we should talk about uh, another thing uh, regarding TV streaming. So this is this is like a 
uh, we we don't have a word for it. It's probably okay that we don't have a word. I'm sure there's a word in German for it anyway, which is uh, a a new topic that that grows out of follow up. Um, but we might as well talk about it here since we we're talking about video. <laughs> we don't Nobody's need to find anything else don't, today. Don't send, don't send any <laughs> suggestions in for what this is called. Um, <laughs> uh, we're building out. Anyway. Please don't. Um, You're doing it. Stop no, it. I'm doing it. I got to stop. I got to stop. Uh, we talked a lot about streaming services, right? We talked about Apple getting into this. Apple's going to do streaming services. Everybody wants a streaming service. People are frustrated. Like, how many $10 streaming services can I subscribe to? And the answer is probably not many. And some of the streaming services will discover that. And then they're going to go out of business or retrench or merge because they're going to discover that. But they're all trying to grab a piece of the pie because they feel like that all the money that has been going into traditional TV is kind of up for grabs and they want it. Um, so everybody wants to build their own streaming service. And a lot of these companies are entertainment companies, right? Some of them are technical and some of them are entertainment. And what's interesting is to look at how they approach their businesses. So like when Amazon builds their video service or Netflix, which is a tech company, you know, they're, they're more than they're an entertainment company, I would argue, or at least they started out that way. And Apple is certainly a good example of this. Um, they are going to approach it from a technical standpoint and presumably their streaming infrastructure. It doesn't mean that they'll do it right, but they've got a much better chance of doing their streaming infrastructure right because, like, they have a big streaming infrastructure already for other things, and they've got data centers, and they've got they've got uh, advanced you know network engineers who know how to build this stuff. Um, the and they struggle potentially with the part of the business that is not what they're good at, which is like entertainment, which is why you see Apple hire TV guys to run their business because you know Apple. Apple's expertise does not extend to making deals with creative people in Hollywood. It doesn't um, for television shows and developing a, a slate of television programming. It doesn't map. If you're an entertainment company, the reverse is true, right? You've got programming down. Like HBO is already doing it. It's good. But then HBO says, but we want to do a streaming service. And if you don't know this story, I mean, the short version of the story is HBO's chief technical officer was charged to build a streaming service. And I think he was building HBO now while um, they were using uh, Major League Baseball Advanced Media's uh, streaming service for HBO Go. I think that's what what it was. And basically, the uh, HBO home-built thing was a disaster, and they fired the guy, <laughs> and they just went to MLB Advanced Media, which is now called Bamco and is owned by... Uh, majority by Disney because Disney bought them hmm. for the same reason of like they're it, 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 you think about baseball and 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 if you're you're like some people you think baseball is boring but the, they did a, a Major League Baseball built this company that is basically state of the art in terms of streaming video on the internet and they built it for themselves and then they then they but a bunch of other sports companies went in and then a bunch of entertainment companies went in with them because they they built a tech company that was very good at video streaming so HBO was finally like okay we give up. Uh, we're going to use you because you know what you're doing. Now HBO is actually saying now they're going to build, they're building their own infrastructure and they're going to move off of Bamco. Good luck, I say to them. Good luck. I bring this up because I've been enjoying watching Star Trek Discovery, which is in the U.S. is on CBS's streaming service. The rest of the world it's on Netflix, except for Canada where it's on a, a Canadian streaming service. But in the, re the rest of the world it's on Netflix, which is great. But here in the U.S. we have to use CBS All Access. So 
um, CBS built their own streaming service. Yay! And it's a disaster. And this is one of those good examples where if you're an entertainment company and you don't have expertise in tech, you you are going to struggle on that side. So CBS All Access, uh, you know, they don't support 5.1 audio. I believe they're streaming a 720p stream. There's no higher quality available. Um, they're, the, the closed captioning is rudimentary compared to Netflix. Like the Netflix experience outside the U.S., way superior to what we're getting in the U.S., uh, the origin of this because their app and their infrastructure can't support it. And then last night's episode of Star Trek Discovery, anybody with an Apple TV and some other people using other devices reported this too, but it sounds like everybody who watched with an Apple TV, it was uh, glitches and uh, video would just back up by two or three seconds and repeat multiple times. Like it was trying to figure out what to do with the stream and failing, um, or they had a bad file. I'm not really sure quite what was going on, but it was, um, well, it took me like an hour to watch a 45 minute episode. So that should tell you how it was. And it kind of broke the mood when you have something dramatic. And the way, the way it sounded just to give people an illustration of how it, to give people an illustration of how, illustration of how it sounded when, how it sounded when this was happening, when this was happening, it was like that. It was just like infuriating. And I don't, I mean, all I have to say is like, I like that CBS, I mean, a lot of people are, are mad because you, they're say, basically saying you have to pay if you want to watch Star Trek and you're not going to just use your Netflix subscription. You have to pay us directly if you're in the U.S. We're holding this show hostage because we want to build a streaming service. I, I get why that frustrates people, but like, I, I think it's a clever business decision. I think it's borne out. They renewed Star Trek Discovery for season two. I think that it's working for them. I think it's working for Netflix and the rest of the world. All that's fine. But the other part of the story is you got to do a good job with your technical infrastructure. And it's harder than it looks. Just like we say all the time about, about Apple and television, that uh, it's harder than it looks to do content. Yeah. We got to yeah. be fair here. It's harder than it looks to do internet. And so when FX and AMC say they're going to do streaming services, I had that moment where I think maybe Disney wasn't so stupid when they spent billions of dollars on, on Major League Baseball advanced media because they bought a company that knows how to do video streaming. And I think a lot of these companies are fooling themselves when they feel like that's the tech part's not a problem. We'll figure that out. It's the creative part, what, what, what we are good at. That's the secret sauce. And the tech part is just whatever. We'll streaming on the internet. How hard could it be? And the answer is it's, uh, it's very hard. <laughs> if, if it's, I, it, I wanted it, to yeah. just to provide some real-time follow-up that the company is called BAM Tech. Oh, that's right. BAM Tech. BAM Tech, and it's and it's which yeah. is just out of Major League Baseball Advanced Media. They always called it BAM, um, B A M, uh, yeah. and now it's BAM Tech. That's right. It's not BAMCO. It's BAM Tech, but it's it's a dumb name. The old name was dumb too. It's now a new dumb name. But the point is, they are they built a tech startup essentially inside Major League mm-hmm. Baseball that learned about how to do video streaming and did it right early and everybody else went oh my god let's just pay those guys to do this because this is hard and when you see somebody go it alone um, and, they, and it goes to the streaming infrastructure it also goes to the app development like the cbs all access apps aren't very good either because they've had to build you got to build your own app and they're not very good um so I, I where the blame is to be placed the fact that the streams aren't high quality either when they do work it's a uh, I just thought it was really interesting, and I've been thinking about writing about that for a while now and talking about it, but really last night was the capper, because it, it made the show basically unwatchable. 
And uh, if I hadn't been set to record a podcast an hour later, uh, which we did, which we do every week, which is a lot of fun. It was a fun episode. We had a lot of laughs. It was actually a really great recap episode. And the episode itself was good, but I would have given up and come back to it days later if I didn't have that commitment because it was terrible, a terrible experience to watch it. So streaming, it's harder than it looks. Yeah, I mean, even even BAMTech don't get it perfect. So um, the WWE use BAMTech. That's what their platform is sure. based on. And I was watching yep. it live last night and had a very similar experience to you where it just kept jumping back to a previous part of the stream, like every now and then, yeah. like an hour earlier and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, and and is that their stream or is that their app is also unclear? Major League Baseball yeah. is not without fault. I mean, they have issues, but when they're, when they're going well... Yeah, I will say, like, this is a this is a rare occurrence. Major League Baseball's app, you can do a 60 frames per second live stream of, uh, of any baseball game that's playing yep. at any given time, yep. which is amazing and they set records on usage every year i get the press releases from the guys at, at bam tech who it's like here's the latest uh record numbers of video streams for major league baseball Thanks, and it keeps going up <laughs> so yeah. yeah yeah so it's it's just it's funny that uh so when when you hear ju- i i, I asked the the listeners when you hear about a tech company say they're going to get entertainment i think you're going to bring your skepticism when you hear a uh, and an entertainment company explain that they've got a tech thing like a streaming service. I think we all need to apply that same level of skepticism because just because they know how to make TV has no bearing on whether they can put the TV on the internet. So uh, in in more news of Apple executives responding to emails, there are a couple of instances. <laughs> Isn't it great they use email? They use email at Apple. It's wild. It's wild. A couple of instances. Uh, one comes from Mac Rumors. Um, where somebody emailed uh, Craig Federighi and asked, will we see an October event? This guy named Luke asked this question. Federighi <laughs> replied with, I think we're all keynoted out for the season. So this yeah. is this is kind of answering the question of, will we see an event which includes the HomePod and the iMac Pro? Uh, the answer seems to be probably no. The answer no. is no. It's no, no. And, and the reason the reason is we already saw that event. It was the WWDC keynote, yeah. and I, I get I get the people. I think there's a little too much uh, emphasis on live events in, especially in the Apple world, where I, I've seen some people um, speculating, uh, like especially on Twitter, of like, well, what what happens? Like, there's so much more to say about the HomePod. It's like, yeah, but the reveal already happened. And sure. Apple's got lots of other ways to get out details to the people who care about details, right? To the people who don't care about details, Apple's got a really great way to get it out, which is they buy ads. <laughs> and there are cool ads with the HomePod at, at the holidays or whenever they've got these things ready to ship. And people will know that it exists. But they don't need an event to do that. And they don't need an event to get the details out because they can bring press down if they want and do some briefings and give the and seed them with review units and have an embargo and then suddenly one day in December every tech site has a HomePod review. They can do that. Um, they can, you know, they they can do it by press release if they really wanted to. I doubt they will. I think they will take the extra step of seating review units and in certain places and and getting people to write about it that way. And the you know the iMac Pro is the same way. It's already been unveiled. Like there are details, sure, but they can do that with reviews. And that becomes news, the fact that the first reviews have dropped via embargo. And for the people who care about details, that's going to do it. That's going to do the trick. And they'll post, you know, they'll post their own content, too. We, 
we ignore that. People like me who like are on the independent cr- content creation side ignore the fact that one of the big sources for information about Apple's products is Apple.com, and they can post videos and spec sheets and tech uh, specs and all sorts of things there and do. So there's going to be a lot of information out there. You don't really need... I think the events are about the reveal, right? The events are about the reveal, not the details. And um, it's iPhone X launching, too. It's the same way. They don't need to do another event to say, it's shipping, um, no, no. even though there will be details there. Uh, so none of these products, they've already been revealed. So there's no no new event necessary. And it feels very much like the Mac, uh, which we're going to talk about the Mac a little bit, too, I think. That's the next email in the inbox, the upgrade inbox. Um, yeah. Uh, the Mac stuff feels very much like, uh, with the exception of, of that iMac Pro, a 2018 kind of story. I did want to mention, though, about, about the HomePod. Like, I understand why people um, are questioning and like wondering if there's going to be an event, because the WWDC event left a lot of questions, like even to the point where they were like, oh, it's it's going to do other stuff, right? Like, it's there, there'll be more, but like we didn't see it, like all the Siri things. Like, I feel like this is a product that, that it's like, um, it feels to me in a way that, do you remember the original uh, unveiling of the Apple Watch in like, I think it was in like September? And then they brought it out in March. Do you remember that? Like they, they showed it off and then they brought it out. And then they did another event where they brought it out, right? There was like a, yeah. a time period. So that's how I'm kind of thinking of the HomePod. It's like you've shown us the basics of this, but where's the rest? And what they are probably going to do now is bring in a bunch of press, right? And do big feature stories. It's probably the way they're going to do yeah. this. But I understand why there was a question, especially around the HomePods, because it's like, it's a new product. It's things we've never seen before. And we didn't get all the details. So I can see, I, I personally can see why there was a question in the air. But in the same vein, I, I can see why you could say, well, the HomePod is not enough for an event on its own, which it's not. The iMac Pro doesn't need an event because there's nothing else more than what we've seen. Right? Like it is what it is. And they have no other products. So it's not an event. It's not enough unless they had something else, which they don't. Yeah. So. I sometimes wonder, I mean, but it would it would come under the heading of event. I do sometimes wonder if what they what they could do is something that's a little bit less like an event. I guess it would be a briefing. I mean, because they could invite people down to Cupertino and have these things in different rooms and like usher people through. But either either that's a press event where everybody's going there at a certain time to do this, at which point it's an event, essentially. Yeah, you may as well have somebody get on stage at that point because it's more efficient. And, and the briefings briefings are are what they prefer, and that's what they're going to do. Is they've got they've got places that they can they can take journalists, and I've I've been through that. I've run the the gauntlet there a, a bunch. The um, you know, you go into one room, they tell you about one thing, then they take, you know, you're there for 30 minutes, then they take you to another room, they tell you about another thing, you're there for 30 minutes, they do demos, they, you know, you, you know, and then you, uh, if you've got a review unit, you get that and you leave and you get an embargo time and if, if it's under embargo and you go and, and go back home and go to work, that's, that's the deal. So they can do that, uh, they can do that with the HomePod and that's probably what they'll do. And they do that, they seem to do that in Cupertino and in New York. You know, they, they, they book people and bring them in and have them do that. So I imagine that's what's going to happen. Just like they do, they'll do that for the iPhone 10 as well, right? They'll, they'll get people to come and give them a briefing and give them a review unit with an embargo time. Yep, because they weren't given out, right? We, we know that, that. Right. So, which is funny, it's, it's not an event, but it's like, it's still a PR campaign that happens. It's just not a public event. Instead, it's this 
private kind of behind the scenes timed coordination that they do, but it's a big part of their rollout strategy for any product too. So I, I, I suspect that's what it'll be. And there'll be some, some morning in December where all of a sudden there'll be 10 or 15 stories from people who got pre-release home pods uh, talking about their, you know, full review after having spent a week with the home pod in their house. Which I hope there'll be something like that. Um, and then also uh, Tim Cook responded to an email, and this is another one coming from uh, Mac Rumors, where uh, Rita Kra wrote in to ask about the Mac Mini. And Tim said, uh, I'm glad you love the Mac Mini. We love it too. Our customers have found so many creative and interesting uses for Mac Mini. While it is not time to share any details, we do plan for Mac Mini to be an important part of our product lineup going forward. So... It has gone from being a product in the line to an important part of the product line. So the Mac Mini has received uh, a wording upgrade, not a, not a not an actual upgrade. The current version of it is three years old now, but this is maybe a, this is more um, positive about the Mac Mini than the last time Apple gave a public statement about the Mac Mini. Yeah, well, the last statement was, yes, the Mac Mini exists. exists. Yeah. And this is, uh, you know, an important part of our product line going forward, which, okay, you know, the parsing, let the parsing begin, right? Like, going forward means it will continue to exist. Okay, that's a step forward than currently exists. That's, it will continue to exist in the future. Mm -hmm. And then part of the product line, we covered that last time, right? It exists. Important part of the product line suggests that it has a level of of i don't know an undefined level of uh value to apple as part of the product line that is not zero so um interesting statement of course tim cook email issuances tend to be um hard to parse in a way uh, we talked about it on this show the last time he did this, that I feel like this is a, you know, one of the attempts to just sort of like soothe people without giving details is to do this. And they tried to do that with a Mac Pro and it, it failed and they ended up having to do the the emergency all hands roundtable Mac Pro event to get to to uh, to soothe that uh, that group of people and, and get a story out about how they were going to listen to them. Um, I, I'm not sure that will happen with a Mac mini where we're going to suddenly have, Oh, uh, eight journalists were convened around a table to talk about the Mac mini. That's probably not going to happen, but um, I'm encouraged by this because I feel that this does go beyond the Mac mini exists to say it will continue to exist. And it, but I take important part of our product lineup to mean we will update it every so often like we've been doing well, for its, it's entire not life if you leave it there forever right like it's it's not you know so they 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 must right. be doing or planning to do something yeah well and and it's obviously not a priority for them but um sure. but the fact is that the mac mini has has often gone in its lifetime through long stretches of time where it's untouched and then it comes out now. I, I would like it to be updated more regularly as new chips come out, but that seems to just not be what it, what it its sales must not merit that. I'll, I'll put it that way. I think it's uh, it's it's probably a right for Apple not to highly prioritize the Mac Mini, so they give it a refresh, a new coat of paint every 
few years and then they let it sit there for a while. Now, you know, I've talked about on this show before that, you know, you look at what Intel has done with their next unit of computing little boxes that mm-hmm. are uh, incredibly small. They're the size of an Apple TV, essentially. And it's, there's a whole computer in there that's powerful. It's got a an Intel, like an i5 or an i7 processor in there and a fast SSD and a bunch of ports. And the Intel stuff, it sports Thunderbolt 3 and USB-C plus standard USB-A, HDMI out. It's got all of these features in a little tiny box that's the size of an Apple TV. And I look at that box and I say, and I have one right here. Um, I look at that box and I say, that's what the Mac Mini should be. You know, it doesn't have to be quite that small. It doesn't have to look quite that plastic. Apple can do their own thing with it if they want to. But like, that strikes me as being a great direction for Apple to say the Mac Mini is even more mini now and they put it out there and then they walk away from it for three years again because that's what they're going to do. But it's, you know, I, I, I'm encouraged by the fact that maybe in 2018 at some point we'll see that, that something that's sort of styled like the Apple TV maybe comes out except it's a mac and uh and i really believe and forgive me because this is like a broken record i've said this many times that gives apple enough to kind of like pat itself on the back and say look how we've reinvented uh computing again by blowing your mind by doing this small this super small mac yeah Um, and that would be a fun story exist already you know like for for a product that maybe doesn't get a lot of the spotlight because it's not a very popular product the smallest mac ever yeah, but yeah. The, yeah, the smallest Mac ever, a Mac you can fit in your pocket, you know, that might yeah. be fun, right? That that there could be some some fun branding around that, which might entice people to grab one and like put some something on it and throw it in a cupboard, right? Like it's you know yeah. that there there are uses for a product which is mega tiny. Um, well, right, I, and the the um, I saw Neil Seibert, the analyst on Twitter, was talking about. I'm not sure where the Mac Mini, um, you know, how important it is and how necessary it is. And I, you know, I replied to him and I basically said. Uh, what I've said to you before, which is it's one of the reasons that it's good to have a Mac mini is that it's like an escape valve, like a pressure release valve. It's like if there's something you want to do with Mac OS and none of the other options work, there's the Mac mini. Just do what you want. Right. It's like literally it's affordable. It runs Mac OS. You can attach anything to it. Yep. Just go just take one this and could do whatever. The education right? computer, right? Like these are the could computers be. you put in schools, right? Like it, there are many things that it could do, especially if it was priced interestingly. Like there are there are options. There are options. Um Right. And it allows and, and, yeah. and it allows the iMac not to need to be everything to everyone or the Mac Pro to be everything to everyone, because mm-hmm. they can't be. And the and and that's the you know, I'm I'm just a real believer in this. Like, products need to not carry the entire weight of the of the platform. Like, the more diversity you have in the product line, the, the that allows the products to to do what Apple likes them to do, which is like super, like be true to themselves and have that kind of. Uh, specific like this is what the iMac you know the iMac is trying to be the best iMac it can be um it's a lot easier if somebody who says well yeah but i don't want the big screen or whatever you're like mac mini just go to the mac mini right the mac mini then is that pressure release valve which is if you would like to do literally anything you can think of with a mac the mac mini exists go to town right and and so i think that's i think that's the value of that product is that it it lets them point at it and say uh, for all of your little projects, because I think there's no one single amazing use for the Mac Mini. Used to be like attached to your TV and stuff, but we've gone way past that with the Apple TV and other things. It's a lot less of a of, a, of an issue, but there are still uh, a million different weird things that a Mac Mini is good at, and that's why it's important to have it. Yeah. So I'm I'm encouraged by this. I think there will be a new Mac Mini, and I hope. 
Um, I feel like the the existing footprint of the Mac Mini is still stuck in the spinning hard drive. Uh, there used to be a CD drive kind of a mentality in terms of the design of it. So I, I have a strong feeling that the next Mac Mini will be something more like those little Intel boxes or like the Apple TV, where they just, that's a very Apple thing to do too. Just go all in on tiny, that it's SSD, you know, there's no CD drives anymore. So we can make this thing incredibly small and just, and then go away, take it, take it away. We don't want to talk about it anymore. Just take your thing and go. Because I think that is sort of Apple's attitude too. It is, we just need it to exist and then we'll move on to the more exciting products elsewhere. I wanted to just say just one more thing about the Mac Mini. Um, I don't remember who, but I saw somebody on Twitter saying all of the people that are complaining about the Mac Mini not existing are people that wouldn't buy it, right? So, like, people like me and you, like, we don't really have use for that type of product. Like, we want the powerful products. We want the portable products. I agree with that idea, right? Like, people that are complaining about it won't buy it. But that's not the reason that people are frustrated about it. The reason that people are frustrated about it is because... Apple is selling a product to people, potentially. It's in. It's available for you to buy, yeah. which is bad, which is just bad. It's a bad yeah. product because like, it is like slow the Mac Pro. and old. Yeah, like the... I mean, I would say maybe even worse than the Mac Pro, honestly. Yeah. Like, it is an old, slow product that they made slower when they revoked... You said it. Uh, worse than the last version of it. So, the best yeah. Mac Mini yeah. ever made is now not three years old, but like these current models. The best Mac Mini ever made is, what, five or six years old yep. now? Because it was that four-core system that the new Mac Mini was slower than. That's still the, uh, the fastest Mac Mini ever, and it's very old now. Like, I don't care what they do. I just want them to do something. Do if the decision something. is we don't sell the Mac Mini anymore, awesome, right? Like, I don't care what you do, just do something with it because, well, you know. Well, this is, this is the ongoing story. And um, and for those who listen to ATP, you know, John Syracuse is a believer in the Mac renaissance. And I kind of am too. I feel like they've changed their tune on this. But this is another example of what we've seen the last couple of years, which is rot in the Mac product line, where things just sit there. And Apple, it's like they're not paying attention to the Mac, that they don't update them when new chips come out and the products age. And a product that is va- that is a good value buy today at the same price with the exact same specs in two years is a is a terrible value so that's the that's the problem in most cases maybe not in all cases but in most cases is that is that it's the these products are unattended and and the the laptops have been attended to we can talk about the issues involving them being attended and what apple's trying to do with them but at least they have paid attention to them they they've speed bumped the imax the mac pro at least they've said they know they're gonna do something and now the mac mini i suspect the same thing is happening but for now, yeah, it's the, that's the open question, which is why is this product being left there to rot? I believe, just like I did with the Mac Pro, that the reason that it's sitting there is because they're working on something else. Because if they weren't, they'd just kill it. You hope. I I. I believe that. I believe that to be the case, that if Apple truly did not care about the Mac Mini, was never going to update it again, after three years of it just sitting there, they'd probably say, yeah, we're going to shut this down. It's the end of end of life, like the iPod Classic or something like mm-hmm. that. Just like, this is the end. It's gone. And th- But uh, instead, they're like, oh, but just around the corner, there's a new one, so we're just going to leave it there. We're not going to... We don't want to create stories about how they've killed the Mac Mini and then bring it back. We're just going to leave it, let it sit there until we've got a new one. And they've let it sit too long. But I have hope that next year there will be a new one. And that's great because I've had a Mac Mini running in my house for like a decade or more now. 
you know, I've gone through a couple of different ones, but um, I find it, you know, incredibly valuable to have in my house. I'd like to keep using it. I, I'd rather not repurpose an iMac or something into, because uh, that's just a waste for what I use them for. But yeah, we'll see. Today's show is brought to you by Encapsula. They will help you delight visitors to your website whilst frustrating those attackers, all because of their bulletproof security options and fast content delivery network. Right now, somewhere in the world, a website is being attacked. Some criminal is using a giant botnet to scrape website content, or they're trying to smash into databases, trying to bring websites down. All this stuff sounds a little bit doom and gloom, but thankfully, Encapsula work hard to protect websites of all sizes with their network that can process 30 billion attacks per second. It is seriously strong stuff. These people are great at what they do. That's why they've successfully defended some of the largest website attacks that have ever occurred. And if something bad did happen, your visitors are never going to know because Encapsula's powerful content delivery network is so lightning fast. It means that your visitors will be able to continue browsing your site even while Encapsula are working to protect it. And you can keep up to date with everything and adjust things on the fly with their smart dashboard, which gives you real-time information. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. All you need to do is go to encapsula.com slash upgrade. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A.com slash upgrade. Check it out now to find out more about what Encapsula can do for you and claim that free month. Give Encapsula a try. You're not going to regret it. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM. One thing I wanted to mention is, before we move on, is about uh, Mac Mini versus Mac Pro. And just that I've seen a lot of people say, well, maybe the Mac Pro is the Mac Mini, which is a fun conspiracy theory. But I, I mean, and I'm not a computer engineer. I, I can't say, but my impression is that those are two entirely different computers because one of them, it needs to be it's cheap, light, small. The speed is okay. It's got, you know, okay power. It doesn't need a lot of ventilation because they can, they can use a small fan or whatever. And it'll be, uh, it'll be fine. But the Mac Pro needs a huge like amount of ventilation and the fastest parts and all of those things in order to do its job. And uh, so I don't see how that's one computer. I feel like that's two computers, the Mac Mini and the Mac Pro. You can't make like a one-size-fits-all because then the parts that you're putting in the, the, the one-size-fits-all are going to be way more expensive than necessary for the Mac Mini. And the enclosure is going to be way bigger than it needs to be. Um, or you're going to skimp on those things and then the Mac Pro is going to be lousy again, which you don't want. So uh, I just wanted to say that before we moved on. All right, then. So uh, I want to talk about the iPhone now. Let's shift gears from the Mac to the iPhone. Uh, iPhone right. ten availability has been a, uh, been a... There's been a big question mark about this uh, over the last few days because analysts from KGI Securities, everybody's favorite, Ming-Chi Kuo, has published a report <laughs> talking about supply chain problems for the first weekend sales. So, quick breakdown. According to this report... Apple is still facing severe constraints for the iPhone X. Quo is reporting that Apple may have only between 2 to 3 million units for the launch weekend or the launch period, right? That whatever that initial pre-ordering process is going to be for the first week or so, which probably isn't enough. So, for example, um, getting this from a TechCrunch article, which I put in the show notes, the iPhone 6S sold 13 million units in the first weekend. Now, of course, there were two phone options, and this time the 8 line exists as well, right? So you can assume that, that the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 8 Plus have chipped away some of those, say, say there's going to be 15 million, so it's taken a chunk out of those. But I bet the remaining number is more than 3 million. That, that would be my expectation. Uh, Quo is reporting that there are a variety of problems that are leading to these uh, shortages. 
There is a new flexible circuit board in the iPhone X, which has been problematic for production. Uh, there's a separate circuit board for the new camera sensors, which is facing issues, and also a component of the infrared sensor for Face ID. So Apple is struggling to get uh, reliable parts for all of these things. So it's looking like, as we assumed, it's looking like to be the case that if you want one of these on day one, it's going to be a struggle no matter where you are in the world. And there may be very long waiting times, which is a shame considering that this device is already shipping way later than we maybe would have initially expected, right? Like it's coming out in November, um, which is two months after when an iPhone usually debuts. And even with that lead time, the extra time, potentially, uh, it seems like that there's still we're still going to be faced with real difficulties to get one of these within a within a fair yeah. period of time oh man i'm just gonna it's gonna be like a command center in here on friday morning let me tell you i think everybody's gonna be disappointed it's gonna be it's gonna be tough it's gonna it's, be it's, it's gonna be a bloodbath i think honestly it's gonna be real bad if you care about this stuff which i'm assuming you do because you listen to this show we can all wallow in our sadness together yeah, and it's uh, when when is the pre order? It's Thursday at midnight at midnight first yeah. midnight Pacific Friday and Thursday night Friday morning. It's Friday eight a.m. for me. It's uh, Thursday yeah. uh, uh, midnight for you and, and midnight such Pacific and such yeah. in between three a.m. Eastern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh oh boy. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. That's gonna be a tough one. Are you gonna pre order? I think I'm gonna try, but um, my hope is that. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, I am because it's time for me to buy a phone. So I am going to try. We'll see. We'll see how long it takes to get there. My hope is that I will get a review unit, so I'll be able to review it sooner than I would actually be able to get it. But who knows? Because uh, it may be like, well, you'll get your phone in January, but maybe I can get a review unit before that. So I, because I'd like to write about it, but I will buy one regardless because it's it's my time. It's time for me to buy a new phone for myself, and that's the one I'm going to get. But this could be. This could be rough, and we know that uh, you know probably a lot of our listeners, people who really care about Apple stuff, a lot of them are, I think, deferring, right, not getting the iPhone eight, and instead waiting for the ten. Mm-hmm. And so, this is the this is the challenge. Like we talked about it when these rumors were first starting, which is, can they st- spread the demand out, or is everybody just going to wait for the ten and 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 they can't deliver? the 10 and it stays back ordered for months. I mean, it could be that this, this phone is back ordered by months th- through like mid 2018. When you're assuming they've already been building them for months, right? And the most they've been able to generate is 3 million of them that you could be waiting months more to get the next 3 yeah. million, right? Like we, we don't know how, how well a lot of this stuff works. It says that apparently in quotes report that production will be able to ramp up shortly, but, you know that's still going to then just fulfill the people that are pre-ordered like it's going to be i think this is probably going to be one of the worst for waiting times that maybe we've ever seen for the iphone yeah um i'm intrigued i mean for me personally i know maybe this sounds silly but but like it's important to me i will be frustrated if i'm not able to get one soon because i want to be able to talk about it on the shows right because otherwise it will be like maybe a month of me going like still haven't got it and then when i get it nobody cares what i think anymore you know no one wants the review anymore because it's two months right right so i I hope that i'm able to get one i'm going to try my best to get one uh and just see how we go and then hope with fingers crossed that you get one and maybe federico gets one uh from apple PR or something like that and then hope so then we'll have stuff to talk about on the show so that's that's my main thing if I don't get one I don't care as long as you have one 
because if you have one we <laughs> can talk about it on this show no but you know exactly. what i mean it's like because that's that's the thing that's most important to me like obviously i really want this phone but the thing that takes the most importance is being able to talk about it here so people can hear about it because that's what people are tuning in for so fingers crossed on all fronts and then maybe i'll fly to california and just press some buttons if you else who knows we'll wait and see about sure that. but you uh you got confused i assume uh thinking that there is a phone to be ordered and you've ordered a phone already uh, you did something it says in our document did you did you accidentally pre-order too soon jason what happened to you uh, no i bought an iphone 8 this weekend okay okay were you just getting ready like you know you were like priming the pump getting you getting like getting some practice in for the ordering process no, I mean, I, uh, I, oh, I did look actually online to see if I could order it and just have it shipped to me, and 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 it said, oh, that iPhone eight will uh, be there in two weeks, or you can just go up to your local Apple store that's one exit up the freeway and yep. buy it today. You've always got to go up the freeway, Jason. We've learned that so far for this season. Yep. Always go up the freeway. Go to the Apple store. Go to the Apple store. This time, this time I was recognized. I walked in the door, and the guy said, "Jason." Mr. And I don't know whether that's <laughs> that he knows he knows me or who I am through local things. I didn't recognize him, or whether they like do mug shots of the people who have placed an order and are coming into the store. I don't know, but it was quite strange. I was wearing my purple ATP T-shirt, so maybe that was a a, a thing too. But I did. I went up there and came back with a uh, space gray iPhone eight because um my wife has been using an iphone 6 for the last three years and the uh, you may not have heard this mike but a couple of things happen after three years of using an iphone 6 one is the battery life has been a problem for the last six yep. months the, the battery starts to get old three-year-old battery and the other thing, and this is something that people have been complaining about a little bit on the internet, and I have seen it for myself in my wife's phone and my daughter's phone, which is iOS 11 bad. Is, really, is really bad on iPhone 6. Very bad. Like iOS 10 was fine. I don't know what they did, but iOS 11 is really bad on iPhone 6. And as much as I roll my eyes at the conspiracy theories about Apple making old phones slow so that you have to upgrade to new phones, um, the fact is iOS 10 was fine on the iPhone 6 and iOS 11 is really bad and you can't go back now. I would just tell my daughter to go back to iOS 10 um and and she can't so the biggest problem is the battery life yeah yeah then the battery life so well so what i'm doing with my wife is i bought her an iphone 8 what i'm doing with my daughter is i bought her a replacement battery and i'm going to replace the battery in her phone <laughs> and i'm going to make her still use her iPhone. you're going to replace the battery in the phone yeah Ooh. i got the iFixit kit i'm i'm ready to go i'm just gonna and you know what mike if i break it guess what i got another iphone 6 that's my wife's old phone yeah. <laughs> so yeah but yeah i'm gonna but i'm gonna try to do it that way for her huh. but the ios I, I hope that they can make some changes but i'm not um i'm not particularly uh optimistic that apple is spending any time trying to make ios 11 work better on older phones but it's it's pretty sad that the iphone 6 which is a pretty good powerful phone it, it just struggles like you type something in spotlight and you got to wait like five or ten seconds for it to come up with a response and if you tap on an app sometimes you're like okay i tapped on the app and then finally the apple launch it's like it's really kind of unforgivable that it that it is so uh it's so bad on an iphone 6 um but my wife's happy because she's got an iphone 8 now and uh and we had to buy her a new case because the camera is different and so the the old her old case that she likes uh covers the cam part of the camera now so we got her a new camera or a new case to not cover that camera and uh and it's all good uh 
a funny thing happened last week too, which is that I have an iPhone 8 review unit, and yes, I am eventually going to write an iPhone 8 review. I finally got an angle for it. This is the angle. Um, I took it to release notes, and it was like everybody everybody was like, "Oh, is that the iPhone 8?" And I realized that's this is a nerd conference, and all the nerds are waiting for the iPhone 10, and none of them have seen an iPhone 8. Because they just, it's just not even on their radar. It's like the lost phone for, uh, at least for nerds and for, for like real serious tech enthusiasm about Apple. Uh, it's all about the iPhone 10 to the point that I was kind of taken aback. I, I did not expect the level, like it happened a, at least a half a dozen times where somebody was like, oh, is that the eight? Because I don't, I don't have a case on it. So it's very clearly like the, the glass back. And there were, there were also a bunch of like, Jason's got an eight show, show him, you know, he hasn't seen the eight. So show it like a lot. So it, I really got the message talking about our previous topic, like, oh boy, (laughs) there's going to be a lot of people trying to get the 10 because they've just uh, pass the eight by the mm-hmm. fact that I could I could like a month after the phone came out I could bring it to a tech conference and nobody had seen one before. Like is, I got uh, to hold one which I hadn't done before and I love the glass. Oh man, I'm so excited for the iPhone 10 to have the glass back again. I'd forgotten how much I missed that, but I am what I want is a bumper case again, and I hope people make those. I know for the iPhone 10 because I it's glass, so I don't want no case. But I would prefer to not have a case and keep the phone thinner. So a bumper case would be real good because the bumper doesn't add like noticeable thickness when it's in your hand because you're holding it right. And the bumper is just like in your hand. You don't really notice it. So I'm hoping, I mean, there have always been bumper cases that you can get bumper cases for the six line. So I'm hoping that somebody, but like a really good company makes one of these bumper cases again. That's what I'm hoping for because it's a glass phone, so I feel it's going to be more susceptible to being broken. Uh, but I want to be able to just hold it in it the way it's yeah. meant to be held. I see what you're saying. The um, my last thought about the iPhone eight, and I am going to write all this down at some point, maybe this week, is: Am I saying that since all the nerds di- hadn't were like, "Ooh, show me your iPhone eight, which is the first time that I've ever gone a month and gone to a tech conference and people have been interested in the phone that I've been carrying, right? Because by that time, everybody's got one. Everybody's seen it. Um, the, uh, but the, the truth is, what's, who's the iPhone 8 for? And for that, I take you back to the start of this conversation, which is, I bought an iPhone 8 this weekend. Because for my wife who is on an iPhone 6, the iPhone 8 is a huge upgrade. She She's not going to want me to spend, you know, she was like, go buy me a phone. I just don't want to deal with this anymore. You do it. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. Like, she's not going to spend $1,000 on an iPhone 10. She doesn't want an iPhone 10. She doesn't need an iPhone 10. She doesn't care. Um, she, she and I had the conversation about whether I should just buy her an iPhone 7, honestly. And I was like, you know, you're the kind of person who uses a phone for three years. Let's get you the latest phone and you'll use it for three years and then we'll get you an iPhone, whatever that is, 12, um, 11S, 10 point, X point, I, I, um, whatever it is. I don't know. Um, and, uh, and that's what the iPhone eight is for. It's for people who don't want to spend that money, who have an old phone and they just want the new phone that is like their old phone, but better and faster and doesn't, isn't slow under iOS 11 and doesn't have a bad battery or whatever. And that's what the iPhone eight is there for. It, it, it talk about a release valve for the Mac mini. The iPhone eight's kind of a release valve too, because the, 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 the tech cutting edge people, 
sorry, I called you nerds, but I, I do it with love. The tech nerds and and people who want to be on the cutting edge and and people for whom money is no object and people who can wait and are very patient will all get the iPhone 10, and that's fine. But the iPhone 8 is for everybody else who's upgrading from a 6 or a 6S, and they don't need to go to the 10. The 8 is going to be a really nice upgrade for them. And that that hit home this week when I noticed all the tech nerds hadn't seen it before, and then I went and I just I bought one. And uh, it, you know, it made my wife happy. And my daughter is unhappy because she does. I'm not going to buy her a, a new iPhone. That's not going to mm-hmm. happen. So, uh, yeah. So, so that's, that's, I, I, that was my iPhone 8 education this week on both who doesn't want it and who does want it. All right. It's time for some hashtag ask upgrade. But this week I want to thank our sponsor, which is Smile. When we talk about the PDF Pen family of products, PDF Pen equips you with everything you need for more powerful PDF editing. And with the PDF Pen family, you can get everything you need done and you can be a master of PDFs on all of your devices. And also PDF Pen Scan Plus as well, which helps you take some uh, receipts. I was doing this while I was traveling. You know, I, I generate more paper receipts when I travel. So I was using PDF Pen Scan Plus to scan those receipts and send them off to Dropbox so that it could be picked up by my accountant. And you can use OCR as well so it can read things from it. It's, it's really simple to do. And the all-new PDF Pen 3 for iPad and iPhone is the ultimate PDF editing tool. I'm so happy with this. It is the Swiss Army knife of PDF editing because you can take it with you and it has all of the tools that you need. You can add notes, comments, and cloud annotations. You can also use drag and drop now to make it easier to get text and images in and out of your PDFs. And it also has file support, which I'm so happy with. So now when you open PDF Pen 3 on the iPad, you can it opens to that document picker. So you can just choose a PDF from any service that you use and just edit in place which I love. There's no more bouncing around between applications, sending things from here to there to get the PDF work done that you need. It's really just fantastic. You can set custom keyboard shortcuts in PDF Pen or PDF Pen Pro. You can create PDFs and export them to Word and back to PDF. This is all on the Mac, which is just fantastic stuff. PDF Pen can help you go paperless. You can break that cycle of scanning, printing, signing, and faxing. See what the PDF Pen family can do for you. Get everything you need for more powerful PDF editing by going to smilesoftware.com slash podcast. So it's a new URL. Go to smilesoftware.com slash podcast and let them know that you came to them from Upgrade. So they just got one URL now and you just tell them, I came from the Upgrade podcast and we'd really appreciate that so they know that you came to them from us. Thank you so much to PDF Pen from Smile for their support of this show and hashtag ask upgrade. Rafael wants to know, Jason, I'm going to ask you, Jason, do you think that the air power mat will be able to charge multiple iPhones? <laughs> it's a great question, especially since there are now two phones in my house that support wireless charging, mm-hmm. which which is fun, right? I had that moment where I, I showed my wife that, oh, you can just, it was literally the, the upgrade from a few weeks ago, which is, oh, you can land your phone on this helicopter pad, or you can just plug it in. That's easy. And she's like, oh, all right. Like, why would I do that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of fun and cool, but also dumb. Do you use the wireless charging? Um, I feel like I'm almost using it ironically now. Yeah. Like okay. I, uh-huh. I, I plugged it into, I plugged it in to try it. And so now it's sitting over where, um, it, it's, it's sitting right next to where all the USB cords are, which is next to the microwave oven in the kitchen, which is where we charge all our phones. It's in the kitchen. There's a counter there uh, next to the microwave. And that's, there's a, there's an outlet there with four USB 
and it's just got cables coming out of it and all the phones get charged there and and the the you know the batteries get charged there and that's like the charging station and i ran the uh from behind the microwave i plugged in the 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 cord that goes to the wireless thing and it sits there too and i i come into the house and i'm like i could plug it in i'm like well the, the the stupid helicopter pad is there i might as well just lay it on that and then i do and it and it's fine but i have not like moved it somewhere else or integrated it into some other part of my life because i haven't found a need or value in it or anything like the the cables work pretty well so i think at some point i will just go this is dumb that this is taking up space on my counter and i'll just take it and i'll put it away somewhere so i i'd say no um now that lauren's got the iphone 8 too i have that i had that moment of um Oh well, if if at some point if if the air power thing charged multiple phones, I could put the mat down here and it would be um and you could still put like papers or other stuff on it and it wouldn't be a big deal, but if you laid a phone on it it would charge it and that would be kind of cool. So I hope I don't know, but I hope it will um a- a- Apple's spec sheet says simultaneously charge up to 3 devices. So my hope is that that means any three devices. Why three? Keep in mind they had to they had to modify this whole you know charging the cheese charging standard to support multiple device charge and it must be that in terms of engineering this is the most they could do. It also may yeah. be just the power output of the pad. But surely like they're all different power requirements, right? Like three iPhones will need more power than three right. AirPods cases. Yeah, but they may have to weave, weave like three different sets of power transfer coils into this thing, right? And okay. and yeah. have them be like for because they have to charge independently of one another. I don't know the engineering. There's probably a lot of very weird electrical engineering happening in these pads. The dream, of course, right, is that you have a big charging pad that you can lay down and just put whatever devices on it, and it's a surface in your home. You can put just papers on it or whatever. But if you lay a device that's relevant, you know, and compatible next to it, it just charges it and that's great like that's that's the dream here and this is like a first step toward that but if 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 that's all true i will be sorely tempted to buy an air power mat for that counter space in my kitchen because i know that what that means is that my wife and i will both just be able to lay our phones down in that space where we already charge them not helicopter them down right on top of a plastic puck but just sort of lay them down and they'll charge and that 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 I might do that that would be more interesting. So I think that's the 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 dream. We'll see. It's next year anyway. That's another. This so many things we're talking about are like 2018 things this week. That's a 2018 thing. Rajiv wants to know: Are either of you two having crashing issues on the Apple TV 4K? I have to reboot often because of navigation problems. I haven't had anything. Nothing like this. No. Have you? Me, me neither. No, I haven't. Um, all of my, all of my issues have been like CBS All Access being yeah. broken, um, and every now and then there's an app that that behaves weirdly. But I, I haven't had any problems nope. uh, with the Apple TV 4K. And I've not heard anybody else say this either. So sorry, Rajiv. Uh, Nepali asked. I scanned some old black and white photos. They're sized around twenty to forty megabytes each. Will photos convert to HEIC? Uh, is that it? Heath? No, Heath. H E I F. Right? Yeah. Heath. Oh my god! See, he see Nopali got the H E V C and the H E I F. Well, H E H E I C is the container file. It's no. worse, Mike. H E I C is the container file no. format for a Heath file. Why? This is H E I C is a Heath container file. 
God, I need to update my photos book because this is so confusing. I am. Well, I am. I'm going to do that in the next month. The so, Pauli's yeah. question is: Will photos convert these images to Heath, or do I need uh, to do it? Him- or does they need to do it themselves no, before photos them doesn't photos? do any file conversion? So you would need to convert that to a Heath file and then bring it in because photos doesn't doesn't do that. I mean, it'll it'll convert out to a compatible format if it needs to, but what you bring in is what it takes in. If you bring in a compatible file format, even if, like if it's this big ping, it will take it and just have it because it doesn't want to mess with your files. So you should do that conversion yourself. Make sure you're happy with it. Uh, make sure that it looks good because that's going to be your original from that point on. So be sure, but you should do that yourself. All right, next up comes from Stephen. How do you transfer video content from the Mac to the iPad? For example, Blu-ray rips or downloads. Jason, what do you do? Um, I used to attach a wire and drag it over from, like, sync it via iTunes, but I've stopped doing that because iTunes is not good at that. And currently, I use Plex. So I have the Plex app on my iPad, um, and I have my movies all on my Plex server. And before I go on a trip, I bring up the movie and I save it to my iPad. And it basically downloads the file from my Plex server. Is that doing that a local? It. Like, is it downloading from your local network or is it downloading from the yeah. internet? It's downloading from the No, local it's downloading network. from my okay. server. It attaches to my server because the Plex app on iOS, I can play movies that are sitting on my server. Yeah, I, I And I can that. just watch them, that. right? Mm-hmm. So you just say, you basically, you save it. And then when you're in mobile mode, basically, you can watch those movies on your on your iPad using the Plex app. So that's generally what I do. I used other apps um, before where I would attach by wire and then use just the app part of iTunes where, where it's like the file transfer part of iTunes, which really should be in the Finder and not in iTunes, but that's just on the list. Um and uh, but but Plex has made it a little easier. So so now before I go on a trip, I have that moment of like, do I want to download movies or TV shows from iTunes that I own? Do I want to download movies or TV shows from Plex? Do I want to download uh, Amazon or, or Netflix shows that I can cache on my iPad? And I do all of that before I go on a trip. But for the stuff that is not in iTunes, um, if I've got a if I've got it on Plex and on iTunes, I, honestly, I will just download the iTunes version because that's super easy. And um, but I, I will if I if it's only available on Plex, I just download it on Plex and do it that way, and that works great. I know Casey's going to be so mad that I asked a question about Plex and just didn't have the answer, right? Because he's, he's always trying to convince me to use it. Yeah, um, I, do you, what do you do? I don't have any local media, so it's ah, either I'm either go. downloading iTunes movies or TV shows. Or I'm downloading videos on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Like there you go, because yep. you can download locally stuff for both of those. Like I, I don't keep local media. Like I don't even have yeah. a way to like take a Blu-ray and make a thing out of it. Right. So <laughs> you know, I, I did. It works for me. You know, everything's in iTunes, yep. and I have not yeah. a huge iTunes library, but I have an iTunes library with a bunch of content that I really enjoy. So typically, when I'm on planes, I tend to just watch movies I've already seen before. I just watch the stuff that I like. Otherwise, I'll just watch what's on the plane because the plane has all the new movies, right? So it's like uh, I have my favorites on my iPad or I watch the movies on the plane because they're all new stuff that I've never seen before. I cannot remember the last time I watched a movie on a plane. And you know why? It's because the plane screens aren't as good as the screens that I own. And they're massively inconsistent, right? So when we and flew the audio out to is Chicago... Bad. When we flew out to Chicago, the the flight out, the screen was one of those like ancient... like. 
yeah, four inch it felt like across, and it had a terrible coating on top of it. I mean, that was good because like I was just playing Switch or whatever. Yeah, it's a standard, st- shiny, grainy, mm-hmm. standard def screen, and then you plug in your headphones and you get the audio, but in the background is like a bee kind of like m- weird hum. It's not good. Like I'm sure there are good airplane things, but but the fact is. I have a huge iPad screen. It's like a giant HD iPad screen. It's great. It's that's what I want to watch things. Yeah, but the things like so, okay. In in favor of the airplane experience. Okay, Mike. In defense of the airplane, Uh, most flights that take a transatlantic (laughs) and they tend to be new airplanes. This was a weird one that I had. It was old. So honestly, in most instances, the TV screens will do the job just fine, and they have typically a better selection of movies than I'm bringing with me. Right, like, that's just, for, like, for me personally. So that's why I would do it. I have done it. I don't always do it, but I have no, like, philosophical problem with, you, with like, watching movies on a plane. Um, so, that, But typically, I will watch stuff on my iPad, but it's things that I'm bringing with me. Um, unless there is, like, a new okay. film that I specifically wanted to watch, right? So, like, I'm on a flight recently, I got Deadpool and Captain Strange and Captain America. All movies it's, I hadn't it's, seen. It's doc- wanted Doctor to see Strange. Them. He's not a captain. No, He's he, just a doctor. No, it's a different version here. It's like, you know how they rename captain the Avengers. They call him Captain Strange here. Don't worry about it. Well, it's a British not good. Thing. It's, a British, it's okay. a British thing. Don't worry about it. Just don't look it up either. Uh, Chris, we get next. Chris wants to know, if you get a cellular Series 3 watch and don't activate cellular, Will you get longer battery life? I would expect so, but I don't. Yeah, know. I haven't tested it, but I don't see why you wouldn't, right? Like because this every time the cellular watch gets uh, gets uh, activated, the cellular features get activated. It's going to use battery. So yeah, uh, but the que- yes. if the question is, will I get better than the series two? I don't know. If the question is, will I get better s- battery than if I was using the cellular, then yes. Right? Like, I don't know if the Series 3 watch has, like, massively different battery life to the Series 2 in general. So, uh, but if you're, if you're using it, if you're using the cellular radio, you get worse battery. Like, it's just... I, w- I would imagine it's not as... I mean, if the idea is, well, I want the most battery life, so I'm going to buy the cellular version instead of the non-cellular Series 3, I don't think that's going to help you. Because my, my gut feeling here is that they have the same battery, more or yeah. less, and it's just a matter of um, you yeah. – it's trying very hard not to use the cellular radio, radio except when you exactly need it. And when you do, you lose battery life, and that's part of the cellular battery life experience. So I don't think there's like a secret – one secret trick to more mm-hmm. Apple Watch battery life is to buy the cellular and not turn it on. Like, the thing I, is, I don't think that's it. Or on Apple's comparison page – Series 3 with cellular, Series 3 with GPS, and Series 1 are all quoted with up to 18 hours battery life. So yeah. Apple rates them all the same, even the, same. the watch you currently have. So yeah. Uh, yeah, because the way they rate battery life is doing the same things. Mm-hmm. And then they say, with cellular, if you talk on the phone for two hours then you'll drain the entire battery Mm -hmm. right that's that's but it's it's not part of the i think yeah in terms of just normal use it's exactly the same and then you get your cellular use like is deducted from your runtime john said pictures taken at my house are spread across a huge radius in the map view in photos in many stacks are there any tips that you have jason on merging these or getting all these photos to recognize the same location yeah, basically you want to select all those photos and then you choose uh, Command-I to bring up the info palette and you can actually like drop a pin in one particular location and that sets the location for all those photos. So you can manually reset the location of your photos. Um, 
And so if you want to force all of your house photos to be in one location, the other, the other way to do it is just zoom out a little bit. <laughs> Because if you zoom out, it will it will agglomerate them all together yeah. in one place. But, it, so, but if you so are if, a picky person about that data, which I understand, then yeah, yeah. if you're su- if you're super frustrated about the fact that they are slightly uh, in slightly different locations, then that would be the way to do it is to uh, is to uh, just select those photos, um, which you may have to create an album or something in order to select them all. But once you've selected them and you open up the info palette. You can actually go in and and move the pin to a different location, mm-hmm. and uh, it should overwrite the data and override your selection and put them all in the same place. Or go in one at a time and then drop their pin at the same location because within a few feet of one another, they are, um, you know, they're all just kind of like marked together. So it, it's okay. And Brandon asks the question that I am asked many times a week, but I'm always. Happy to answer because it results in good things. Brandon wants to know, shall I get the 10.5 inch or the 12.9 inch iPad Pro? <laughs> uh, I will be using it for researching. I usually watch videos or surf in Safari while taking notes at the same time. I tend to work either at my desk or the couch. Brandon, in your situation, I would recommend getting the 12.9 because it sounds like you're in fixed places, either at an office or at home. And if you're doing that, if you're planning on buying this iPad and mostly using it in one location, I mostly recommend the 12.9 for this because as well, if video and notes and Safari are all involved, the extra screen space is going to yeah. be great for you. So in this instance, for Brandon, I would recommend the 12.9. I am updating my personal overall pick to be the 10.5. I think that in most instances, for most people, the 10.5-inch iPad Pro is the perfect iPad. But there are certain locate like certain instances where I'd recommend a twelve point nine, and for Brandon, I would recommend a twelve point nine. I agree one hundred percent. If you want to find our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash one six four. Jason is online. He is at Jasonell on Twitter. Um, even when he's offline, he's still at Jason L on Twitter. He's always, you know, the, the account's always there. You just tweet at him. He'll get to you when he wants to. Uh, he's the incomparable.com for many of Jason's incredible shows focused, would you say, mostly on pop culture, right? Is that a good way to, like, yeah. sum up uh, the incomparable? Yeah. But there's game shows and there's Dungeons and Dragons playthroughs and, and loads of amazing so, yeah, content. Enter- entertainment and culture and, and silly stuff and all of that stuff. And then the more, like, tech and and although liftoff is about space i don't know what that's about anyway space there's technology. also shows on space Relay technology FM. Yeah. we'll go with that it's, it is it's 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 techie sure yeah and yeah jason hosts many shows at relay fm some great ones really great ones not just upgrade upgrades all amazing the, but they're all the great some shows. of the great shows some of the great shows jason's on them but all of the shows that jason's on are great so they are all the great shows Aww. uh six for jason's work you can find me at relay.fm uh, i host many shows uh i think seven i think seven i think that's how many shows that i do somebody asked me at release notes and i tried to count it and i think i missed something uh, i've got a new weekly. answer to that I just say I can't count that high now. Yeah. When they say how many shows do you host, it's like I, I've I've lost Who count. Knows? I can't count that high. Who Nobody knows? knows. Nobody knows. No, nope. it can't uh, be calculated. It's impossible. Thanks again to our fine sponsors this week: PDF Pen Family of products from Smile, Timing, and Encapsula. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Love your show. Love your show. Great show. Love it. <laughs>